Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. All right, back here on the Investor Coaching Show, Paul Winkler. So we've got this investor's dilemma, this cycle that we go through where I fear the future, I want to predict the future, I look at the past to do it, which is a really bad way of doing things with markets. Works maybe to buy your car because cars that performed well in the past might perform well in the future or appliances or something like that, you know, think consumer reports, but it doesn't work really well in invest with investing because markets go up and down and something that has gone up, good past performance then down is where you go, oops, that was a bad idea. That didn't make a lot of sense. So what we do is we end up breaking those rules and we end up doing emotion-based investing and then we end up end up with performance losses and it just keeps going around and around. How do we get out of that? There are 12 things, uh, or 20 things, excuse me, that I ask people and I go, these are things that you need to know, okay? So these things, you know, one of them is the warning signs, the three warning signs. Now, when we invest, do we jump in, jump out, jump in, jump out? Not a real good idea. And this is what, if you look at how money is managed on Wall Street, this is what you see all the time. Tune in the TV programs. They're telling you about this stock, that stock, what's the hot stocks, what are the, the companies that are really going gangbusters right now and why and and what companies aren't doing well and why they're not doing well uh you know what areas of the market are poised to rally what area what countries are really doing well and you'll see them report on bitcoin you'll see them report on gold you'll see them report on you know xyz stock you'll see what's going on in in britain what's happening in germany what's happening in france the united states and and you know they're they're constantly getting you to move around and think about different areas well that's market timing now individual stocks trying to figure out which companies are going to do better is stock picking. And the problem that you're running into here is this. What does every company want? They want to use your money as cheaply as they possibly can. So if you're going out there and looking at which stocks to buy and you're going, I think I want to buy this particular company, you're intuitively saying that I want that company. Your intuition is telling you that that company is going to go what? Up go up a lot more, which is meaning that they're going to pay a lot of money to use your money. And if you're buying a company you think a lot of, you think that they're really great, do you think for a second that they really want to pay a whole lot to use your money or more than they should to use your money? That doesn't even make sense. You know, so what I'm doing is I'm thinking somehow I'm, I'm going to beat the man. Somehow I'm going to, you know, get one over on somebody else and I'm going to buy that stock. And what we don't recognize is that the vast majority of stocks out there, when we look at the trading that's taking place, it's trading between institutional managers, huge fund managers and pension managers. And when I buy a stock, I'm buying it off of somebody that's probably, probably even better informed than I am. And when I'm selling it, I'm selling it to somebody who's better informed than I am, Right. So what happens is I'm thinking I'm going to get one over on them. Remember that was the whole GameStop thing. 
and you know that hope oh, we got you know we and and that was a small thing a smaller thing than the general market because it was you know these shorting act the shorting activity but remember that they, these people got hammered so many of them got hammered when that stock came crashing down because it really wasn't worth what they were paying for it but yeah, that's a whole other story you know so what happens here is that we have these warning signs i i'm looking at past performance i'm buying often high rather than what i should do is buy by low or i'm stock picking and i'm trying to pick which companies are going to do best in the future and the reality of it is that i have no idea which company is going to do better and you know even the insiders in the company there was a oslo stock exchange study where they they knew that there was a lot of insider activity going on in this particular exchange and what they did is they actually did research on how the insiders did versus the market and it wasn't pretty for the insiders you know so you go gosh how did they how did the insiders i mean i'm talking about you know ceos companies even the ceos of their of companies don't even know what their stock is going to do and now if they trade on information that's private personally you know that that's not out there information that's not public they can get in huge trouble so when you watch them do their regular trades that are legal and you look at how they do versus markets it's you know the the data is not <laughs> it's not not uh pretty for them let's just put it that way and studies with you know where they have stock trading platforms remember one one platform they were actually doing studies on the trades that their customers were doing they shut down the study because the returns because you know if they're doing really well the traders on the platform think hey look you got to use our platform look how well our traders do all people that use our platform look how well they're doing well they shut down the study why because it wasn't so pretty it was awful you know so those are warning signs you know stock picking market timing and using past performance now another question is do you have an academic understanding of how markets work what i loved about academics what i loved about academics and this is why i was so attracted to it is i wanted information about investing markets that came from people that didn't have a dog in the fight because so early in my career what i would do is i'd go to these conferences and this person would tell me how they manage money this person tell me how they manage money this person tell me how they they chose stocks and this one tell me how they determined how the asset allocation how they would change it over time tactical asset allocation and I'd, my head would be swimming. And then when I discover, discovered that there's a whole this world of academics, Nobel Prize winning research, multi-factor, uh, you know, market efficiency, how markets price things. And, and I started getting into all that. I was like, oh, man, thankfully there's somebody that isn't out there. And then they would explain, here's, they would get into Gordon growth formula. They would get all these, how markets, cost of capital, uh, dividend, you know, yields and all those types of things, where returns actually came from. And it made so much sense that I was able to just go, okay, this makes sense. And I can hang my hat on it. So that was it. Now, the next step, and there are academic pieces of ac ac academia that actually go against some of the things that I believe in. This is where choosing an investment philosophy comes in. That's the next question. You know, there's a markets work, markets fail. Now, quite frankly, I look at the research on the markets fail and the, the academics that have come out in favor of that. And I'll say it is wholly 
Uh, it, it, it is not convincing evidence that they come out with. I mean, I'll give you one example. There was one about uh, price-earnings ratios, looking at price-earnings ratios to determine future returns of markets. There was a little bit of academic research, albeit not terribly convincing to me, because I looked at it as data mining, that showed that you know buying stocks with low price compared to earnings gave us higher returns. Well, in my first book, what I did because that was it was prior to that my first writing my first book that I actually saw that data I just I decided to do a little bit of research and I went back a long ways and looked at price earnings ratios just to determine whether it was a predictor of future returns now think of it this way if I have a stock selling for $10 and they have $1 of earnings it's 1 divided by 10 that's a 10% earnings yield Okay. Now, if I have a stock selling for twice that, $20, and I get $1 of earnings, it's only a 5% earnings yield. So, you know, what would I expect? I would expect the stock with the one over 10 to have a higher return, you know, because it has a higher earnings yield. Now, I only know the earnings expectations in that PE ratio for one year. Thing is, when I own a stock, I might be getting earnings for the next 20, 30 years or however, however long I own the company and however long the company is around. So what I did is I said, okay, so do low price to earnings ratios, you know, do, is, that, uh, is that low price, does that portend higher returns in the future? Should, right? Yeah, based on, on this research, it should. Tell me, tell me that I'm going to get higher returns. Well, what happened is when did the research and I said, okay, so low price to earnings should have high returns in the future. High price to earnings should have low returns in the future. Should be the opposite. Did a chart on it. Looked like somebody took a shotgun and shot it at my chart. They were all over the place. There was no correlate. There was no trend. I didn't see a trend line. And I should have seen a very distinct high prices, Give me low returns in the future. Low prices, give me high returns in the future. There should have been a pattern if that academic research was good. So again, it was another confirmation of what I believe, that markets were pretty doggone efficient and that that wasn't a good predictor of future returns. Just one example. You know, can you consistently and predictably achieve market returns? Most people don't recognize what market returns are. So this is partly how I look at my portfolio and know whether everything is going okay. I look at my large U.S. stock portion of my portfolio. The part of my portfolio that's investing in big U.S. companies, is it matching the returns and has it matched reliably year after year the return of S&P 500? Has my value portfolio, large value, been right in, in line and matching market returns for large U.S. value stocks or the Russell 1000 value? Is my small cap port portion of the portfolio giving me the return of the Russell 2000? Russell 2000 value for small value, international large, Europe, Australia, Far East, Europe, Australia, Far East value. So we can look at each part of the portfolio and look to see whether that fund is matching the returns of that. Well, why is that important? Well, something like 93, it depends on the asset category, but it's typically in the 90 range, 90% 90 range over 15 years the asset manager fails to match market returns. So if I'm capturing market returns, that puts me in rarefied territories, like I like to put it. 
So that's the thing that I'm looking at. Am I, am I matching market returns? If I'm underperforming, there's a problem. And, you know, that's how I determine whether everything is going the way it ought to be going. That's how I determine whether my portfolio is actually working. You know, so when it comes to your portfolio, do you know exactly what you're doing and why? That's another question. You know, do I know this at all time? Do I have a definite how I chose to have this much money in that asset category? Now, this is way deeper than I can go here. But that is something I think is really, really important. Having, you know, a model that I can work off of and I know whether I'm doing what I ought to be doing based on my model and whether things are going the way they ought to be going is super, super important. Do I have a measure, a way of measuring my portfolio volatility? People don't realize how important volatility is. I can have two portfolios with the same exact expected return, same exact expected return. And one portfolio, I can end up running it in the ground because I took too much risk. And if I can't measure risk, I can't control it. That's why volatility and knowing how to measure it is so important. You cannot control that which you can't measure. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of the things that I think you need to know. But this is really critical as you get closer to retirement, having a method of measuring portfolio volatility. You may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15 minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. All right, back here on the Investor Coaching Show, walking through Kind of the psychological cycle, I say, I need to call it a psychological cycle that we go through that causes us to fail as investors. And a lot of it's emotions, instincts, and just things that we have a hard time getting away from. We have a hard time getting away from our humanness, is the way I like to put it. We are human. <laughs> it's like an old Kansas song, hopelessly human. <laughs> um, but, you know, so... What happens is, you know, how do we get around this? So it's certain things that I think that you need to know. You don't have to know everything, but the right things are certainly important to know. And what are the right things? Well, knowing how to measure volatility. I've talked a little bit about that. Making sure we're matching market returns, understanding a little bit about how markets work, academic research, and, and our biases, psychological biases, and things like that. But that's really important. Now, Knowing our risk tolerance is important. I referred to that just a little bit before the break, just knowing how much ups and downs that I can take. Because, you know, when I'm taking income from a portfolio, if it is too volatile, I have to sell more shares when the market goes down. And then when the market recovers, I don't own those shares anymore. And then I can't recover with them. So, you know, understanding how to measure the risk tolerance and know exactly what 
where I should be is important for an investor so that they're not taking more risk than they really should be taking. You know, you have risk tolerance, right? You talk about that. And, you know, risk management is, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like, how much risk can I take, though? It's just like tolerance. You know, a lot of times that it gets a bad name with me. And the reason being that I'm not tolerant of risk at all after a market downturn. You know, what capacity do I have to take risk is something I think is a little bit more important because I can teach people how markets work and get them to tolerate, you know, market downturns. If you don't expect something, you don't know what to expect. When something goes outside your expectation, then that's what throws you for a loop and ends up causing you to make really bad decisions. And it's probably well beyond what I could talk about here, but there is a difference between risk capacity and risk tolerance. Okay, so that's that's one thing. Uh, have you measured the amount of quality and maturities of the fixed income in your portfolio? You know, we think about what are bonds for. They're for safety, but a lot of times we don't recognize that we end up with these really high risk bonds in our portfolio, and we don't even know that until it's too late, until the mar those markets come crashing down. So that's something that I look at: is what are the maturities, because we want to know how much interest rate risk we're taking. If interest rates go up, bond prices can come crashing down at the worst times, because markets can go down and interest rates go up, and then all of a sudden our bonds go down with our stocks. But also, are, am I investing in bonds with companies? What Have I lent money to companies that may actually have a hard time paying back money during economic hardships, which would be when a lot of times when stocks are going down? So just when they can't pay back their obligations are when stocks are going down and everything's going down together. Another thing is, do you know where you stand on the Markowitz efficient frontier? You know, Markowitz was this guy, 1990, wins the Nobel Prize for Economics for how to put together a portfolio to maximize expected return for a given level of risk. And a lot of people don't have a clue where they sit on that frontier. And if you don't know where you are on that, how can you fix it? You know, or does your current investing approach include an ongoing coaching? You know, here's the reality of it. Uh, you know, it was uh, this person I was talking to and talking about a little bit earlier. We had this conversation. He goes, yeah, you know, you give away a lot of information. I said, yep, I give away a lot. And he said, why? Because I said, because number one, having somebody that is constantly engaged in what's going on, markets, and reminding people of what we're doing, why we're doing it, and making changes on a daily, you know, you know, when you rebalance a portfolio on a daily basis, and it's just not something that people are going to do, number one. But here's the more important part about it. It's our instincts and our emotions and, and you know, just how we approach money that so often it takes somebody outside of us to help us. It's like, you know, working out in a gym. I mean, it's way more complicated than working out in a gym. Some people can be super disciplined about working out without anybody coaching them or anything like that. But, you know, that's a lot simpler. But still, a lot of people need a coach at the gym to get them to do what they know they should do because it's easy. Move more, eat less. You know, losing weight is fairly easy. You know, doing it is a whole different deal, right? And, you know, have an algorithm and a tested process for, re for rebalancing a portfolio. You know, what we want to do when we rebalance a portfolio, when we're managing a portfolio, there's a lot of research on what is, you know, what are the most cost-effective ways of doing that? And, you know, how do we reduce commissions in the portfolio? That's another thing. Implications and applications and diversification. How do we diversify? 
Do we have an investment policy statement? Almost, I almost never see somebody with a blueprint for their investment portfolio. Now, having a clear-cut method for measuring success. I already talked about that. Identifying cultural messages. A lot of the messages and beliefs we have about money come from our parents, come from unhealthy sources, friends, family. These are the things I think you need to know. You want to find out more, go to our website, paulwinkler.com, paulwinkler.com. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.